Man, it always looks uh, intimidating looking out at all these people. Um, but, um, you know, I'm real, I count it as a privilege, as an honor, um, anytime I have a chance to uh, get in this pulpit. Um, so I just want to thank Joel just for the opportunity to be a part um, of this Christmas series um, and to share this pulpit with some faithful brothers, uh, Montreal, Brian, and, and yourself. Um, so without further ado, uh, let's get into the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and we'll be reading verses 6 and 7. If you need uh, any Bibles, we have Bibles in the back. Um, you can just raise your hand and card A can uh, get a Bible to you. How y'all doing this morning? Everybody good? Yeah. All right, so um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, it reads this way. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Uh, let us pray. Gracious God, Lord, thank you um, just for this opportunity um, to be before your people, Lord, to preach your word, Lord. Um, Time and time again, Lord, I stand in amazement that you would choose a sinner such as myself uh, to proclaim your truth uh, to your people. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just continue, uh, Lord, to, to work through me. Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, be with me, um, that I would be able to communicate your truth uh, clearly, that your people might be edified and that you might be glorified in our midst today. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, at the beginning uh, of this summer, uh, me and my wife, we set out on a journey to um, teach our kids uh, how to swim. And um, if you know my kids, um, at the beginning, they were uh, terrified um, of the water. They didn't like the idea of um, putting their head underwater, right? And these are, are key things if you want to learn how to swim. So um, they, we spent a lot of time, you know, in the swimming pool this summer. And every time we would go, it was a struggle. Um, I remember one time, a few times, I was trying to teach Ayana how to, uh, you know, hold her breath under the water and, um, and, you know, and how to float. And, like, she was so, like, terrified, so fearful. Um, I would try to, you know, like, give her positive, you know, reinforcement, like, look, you know, your dad not going to let anything happen to you. And, but she wasn't, she wasn't trying to hear that. Um, so, um, you know, like in those moments, like when she was so fearful, I would find myself uh, losing patience um, with her. I would become, you know, like upset and angry because I'm thinking like, look, you, I'm your dad, you know, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Um, and it was during those moments where I was angry because I felt like in those, during those times, she didn't trust um, that her dad would be there to care and, um, and protect her. And if you think about it um, this morning, we can be like that when it comes to trusting God, right? 
um, you know, no matter how many times God has revealed to us in his word his ability to care and protect and provide um, for us, we still struggle uh, with trusting God. Now, and I know, you know, deep down inside, right, I know my, my, my daughter knows um, that I love her and that, um, you know, I will always be there as long as there's breath in my body to care and protect her and, and her brother. And I can't forget my wife, my lovely wife. I love you, boo. Um, <laughs> but um, as we'll see in the book of, uh, in the book of Isaiah, um, as we go through this uh, this morning, King Ahaz, he was guilty of this very thing, of not trusting uh, in God. So let me give, a, give us a bit of background um, about the storyline that's leading up to Isaiah chapter 9. Um, this will help us, you know, to provide the uh, context so we can um, have a better understanding of, of the name um, Everlasting Father in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So when Isaiah was chosen by God to be a prophet, um, there was a lot of uncertainty in Judah. King Uzziah, who was king of Judah at the time, um, he had just died. And he was a fairly good king um, for the people. Um, in, second, in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 26, uh, verse 4, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. After his death, uh, the nation of Assyria began to rise in power. And, you know, they began to conquer the nations in the north during this time. So um, King Ahaz... So the political situation was very tense in Jerusalem at this time. Um, so King Ahaz, after King Uzziah died, King Ahaz became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem for, for 16 years. And according to 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2, it says he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So King Ahaz, he led the people um, of Judah into idolatry. Um, he partook. Of some, of some despicable practice as, such as the other nations. Um, he, he offered, he made metal images for the Baals. He even burned his own sons as an offering um, to Baal. So as a king, he failed to care and protect the people that he ruled over. See, during ancient times, kings were thought of as almost like fathers, right, of the country or the nation that they ruled over. So in this sense, I think we would all agree that uh, King Ahaz, he pretty much sucked as a dad, right? We, we all would agree to that. Ashton, would you, would you want King Ahaz to be your father? Would, would you trade me in for, for King Ahaz? No? So, so Ahaz, um, he found himself in, in a bit of a jam. Um, like I said, Assyria began to rise in power, right? And they were conquering the nation, so... Um, the peoples in the surrounding, um, you know, in Jerusalem, in, Ju in Judah, they, um, they begin to be fearful. Um, Syria and Israel, the kings of Syria and Israel, they formed an alliance because they knew that Assyria was, you know, it was almost certain that they were going to come and attack them. So the king, of the king of Syria and the king of Israel, they wanted Ahaz and Judah to be a part of their alliance so that, so that they could withstand um, the attack of Assyria. But King Ahaz, uh, he didn't want any parts um, of their alliance. He, he didn't, he didn't want to be a part of their alliance. He chose to put his trust in Assyria. So he sought um, the king of Assyria 
Um, he sought the king to be his refuge, to be his protection. And it says, so Ahaz's trust in God um, during this time was, was real fickle. It, it was real fragile, kind of like us. Um, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2, it states, When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So King Ahaz, he, he was fearful because he didn't want to be a part of Syria and Israel um, alliance. They then turned to wage war against King Ahaz. So they wanted to siege Jerusalem. So, you know, again, he sought, he sought after the king of Assyria to, um, to protect him against the threat that Syria and Israel now posed for Jerusalem. But just like God does, right, during times of fear, and anxiety, God sends the prophet um, Isaiah with a word to King Ahaz to comfort him during this time of, of fear. Through the prophet, God tells Ahaz that the plan Syria and Israel are making to siege uh, Jerusalem will not stand. But God knew that Ahaz, again, his trust was, was very fragile at this time. So God went even further to send him a sign. God he, we, we see this sign in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, verse 14. It says, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God's with us, God with us. This sign had its immediate fulfillment during the time of Ahaz with the birth of Isaiah's son. But, we would have, but it would have its ultimate fulfillment in the birth of Christ, which would happen hundreds of years later. This sign was given to Ahaz so that he would have even more reason to have confidence and trust in God. But, like I said, Ahaz, he chose to have trust in the foreign powers of Assyria rather than trusting in an almighty God to rescue him. And, it, and just, just think about it. Just think how foolish um, that is, right? Ahaz chose to trust in a man, in the king of Assyria, rather than trusting in an almighty God to deliver him. But just like King Ahaz, don't we doubt that God can deliver us from, from tough situations, right? Um, whatever the situation uh, may be, someone could be here today mourning the loss of a loved one. Um, someone could ha be having financial um, problems during this time of year. Some could be having um, relationship problems, you know, problems in their marriages. Whatever the case God always gives us his word, and he promises never to leave us, never to forsake us, yet we always end up doubting him. So, just getting back to the story, it turns out uh, that the very people Ahaz trusted in, right, the king of Assyria, he ended up afflicting um, King Ahaz and the people of Judah. He, he caused great pain and suffering when the Assyrians um, invaded um, Jerusalem. This, this, the Assyrian invasion brought great devastation upon the peoples of the land. But God, in the midst of this darkness and gloom, he gives his people hope. And he promises them that a special child will, uh, will be born. So looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, right, we find out that this special child will grow up to be king. This promise of God will be fulfilled some hundreds of years later, as we see in the Gospel of, uh, of Matthew. The child to be born in the future will come through the line of King David. But it was something different 
about this coming king. This coming king wasn't like um, all, of Isra- um, all of Israel's kings. Um, this king had divine attributes. And we see that uh, in, the, in the name Everlasting Father. We know that everlasting is, is similar to um, eternal, um, you know, eternal. So eternal, everlasting has no beginning, right, no end. So therefore, that, that means that his kingdom, this, this king's kingdom, his reign wasn't going to end, right? He was going to reign uh, forever. And as we know, he's still reigning uh, today. So Isaiah, in chapter 9, verse, uh, verses 6 and 7, right, he's looking forward in the future to the birth of Jesus Christ. God promises to be with his people through the birth of this king, through the birth of Christ. So therefore, because we know um, God is faithful uh, to his promises, we should put our trust and our hope in him, right? We shouldn't be uh, like King Ahaz. So this morning, I want to um, pose this question to us, um, and I, my, my hope is that it will force us all uh, to examine our hearts. Um, that question is this, why should we trust Jesus? Why should we trust Jesus? So for the rest of our time together, um, let's look at a few reasons why we can have uh, confidence and trust in Jesus um, as our everlasting Father and our King. So when Isaiah, when the prophet speaks of Christ as everlasting Father, he's not confusing, he's not confusing the Messiah with uh, the first person uh, of the Godhead, with the first person of the Trinity. I want us to. Uh, Make that, I want to make that clear. We know that God, right, is a trinity, um, three persons in one, one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Isaiah is not um, confusing the first two persons of the Godhead. Rather, he is speaking of Jesus' character towards us. Uh, theologian Sam Storm, he helps us understand um, Isaiah's use of everlasting Father. He calls it a descriptive analogy pointing to Christ's character. He is fatherly and father-like in his treatment of us. Remember, I said earlier that during ancient times, um, kings or rulers, you know, were considered to be fathers of the country or the nations that they ruled over. So in a lot of ways, a king was, was viewed in the same way as, a father, as the father of a family. We know that one of the jobs of a father is to provide, right? So that is our, that's our first point uh, this morning. We can trust, we can have the utmost confidence in Christ um, to provide for us, right? Jesus will provide for us. During this holiday season, right, we know um, Christmas is approaching, and um, our children, those of us that have children, um, expect certain gifts, you know, to be under the tree. Um, Even as adults, you know, we can expect certain gifts to be under the tree. I know I do. Um, So um, if anyone wants to buy me a gift, let me not stand in the way. You can buy whatever, you know, whatever God puts on your heart to to, to buy me. All right? Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, so a father's job is to provide. But uh, Jesus, he provides the most important gift that any one of us will ever receive uh, in this life. Jesus provides salvation uh, for us. According to 
the book of Zechariah, uh, chapter 9, verse 9. Right? This coming king will be righteous, and he will bring salvation. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, as Joel read this morning, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, this king, this coming king, unlike King Ahaz, who led the people into idolatry, or unlike our first father, Adam, who plunged all of humanity into sin, this coming king will come to deliver us from our sins. Although we know that the Bible speaks of salvation as being a free gift, right? A gift is something that you receive, right? Um, a gift is given to you by someone. So although, so looking at it that way, salvation doesn't cost us anything, but it costs Christ. It was very costly for Christ. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 53, it tells us that this king will be crushed for our iniquities, that he will bear our griefs, that he will carry our sorrows and be pierced for our transgressions. The sinless Jesus voluntarily went to the cross and he offered his life, paying the debt that we owe to God for our sins. A king Ahaz, in his idol worship, offered his own sons as a sacrifice to Baal. But Christ, he offers his own body so that we will be free uh, from the power and the penalty of sin forever. Amen. Jesus died. I want to kind of like pop right here for a minute. Um, when we say Jesus died, you know, when you've been a Christian for um, a number of years, you, uh, certain words, certain uh, phrases, you become familiar with certain, certain things, right? So, you know, hearing that Christ died, that's not new to anyone that, that, that is a Christian here this morning. But when, it come, when, when we say that Jesus died, I want us all to remember that he literally died. When we hear those words, may we not, may those words never lose their meaning. May we, may we not look at it with indifference. May we not um, take it for granted um, that he actually lost his life, right? And him losing his life is the only thing that could cleanse us from our sins. It was the only thing, his death is the only thing that could free us from the power and the penalty of sin. So may we never take those words uh, for granted. So he died and he was buried. But three days later, he was raised from the dead. And we receive this free gift of salvation through faith and repentance. Faith. Faith is believing in what Christ has done on your behalf on the cross. The atonement that he made for sin is trusting in that and trusting in that alone. Not trusting in, in your good works, right? Because our works are not good enough. But he was perfect. And it's his work on the cross that God, God calls us to trust in what he has done on our behalf on, on the cross. So that's, that's faith. That's, that's trusting and being committed to that truth. It's persevering in that truth. It's enduring in that truth in the face of persecution. I mentioned repentance. Repentance is turning away from sin. Not turning away from sin and turning to yourself 
but it's turning away from sin, turning toward Christ, the Savior. <laughs> Thank you. Um, again, looking at repentance another way, um, repentance is, is also seeing sin how God sees it. It's seeing sin through the lenses of God. We know that God hates sin, right? So are you hating your sin this morning? Are you loving your sin more than you are loving Christ? So, so we receive this gift, um, again, by this free gift of salvation through faith and through repentance. So have you received this gift from Jesus this morning? Children in the room, right? I know we get excited about gifts this year, but please be excited about the salvation that Jesus provides. This king, he provides a righteousness that we so desperately need. Our second reason why we can trust and have confidence in Jesus is that he will protect us, right? Jesus will protect us. A good father protects his children from that which can cause them harm. You know, I have two children, and my job is to protect them from, you know, certain elements in the world that can cause them great harm. Um, you know, they're in elementary um, right now. My daughter um, will be going to middle school next year. Um, <laughs> thanks, Tony. Uh, so, um, you know, certain things um, that I have to protect them from. Um, you know, bullying is something that's prevalent, you know, um, in elementary um, uh, sexual predators. I mean, you know, I was struggling with even saying that, man. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy the things that's going on in this world, but, um, you know, my job as a dad is to protect them. And um, Jesus, he protects us um, from our great enemy that has already caused us uh, so much harm. And, and who is our great enemy? The devil. the devil, right? So we know, right, that the devil, that Satan is always tempting us to sin against God so he can have grounds to accuse us before God. In fact, Satan is referred to in the book of Revelation as the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us day and night before God. Our first father, Adam, left us vulnerable to Satan by giving into temptation. Right? When he ate from, uh, from the forbidden tree, right, he gave into that temptation, and he left us vulnerable uh, to Satan. King Ahaz left the people of Judah vulnerable to the Assyrians by giving into the temptation to trust in other gods. Jesus, when tempted in the wilderness by Satan, withstood the temptation, and he did not give in. He remained faithful uh, to God. Remember, brothers and sisters, we know, um, as Brian preached uh, last week, and he talked about Jesus as being mighty God. So we know that Jesus is God, right? He's 100% divine. But the Bible also speaks of Jesus as being 100% human, 100% man, which means he knows what it's like to be tempted by Satan. In his humanity, Jesus went through temptation, just like me and you. And that's why it is said in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 18, it says, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Christ comes to our aid when we are tempted, and he always uh, provides the way of escape. The Apostle Paul, when speaking to 
uh, the Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, verse 3, he testifies that the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So let me just share with us two ways um, in which we see Christ's ability uh, to protect us. We see it first, um, as I mentioned before, in his work on the cross. When, when Christ died, right, he disarmed Satan of his power, right? Before, and um, it, uh, the Apostle Paul mentions that in, uh, in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Um, so when, when he died on the cross, um, again, he disarmed Satan of his power. So that power that Satan once had over us, we were once slaves to sin, but through the death of Christ, Right, he freed us from being slaves to sin, and he makes us slaves to righteousness. So he, he doesn't have the same power over us that he once did. Right? I think of my own life, it was so easy for me to just give in uh, to temptation, you know, before God saved me. But now, those of us that, that are in Christ, those of us who are trusting in Christ, God gives us his power to fight against sin. So we're protected. This king, we also see uh, his ability to protect us in the fact that he prays uh, for us. This mighty king, he protects his people by praying for them. We see this in in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 17, verse 15, right? In Christ's high priestly prayer, when praying to the Father, he prays that we will be kept from the evil one. Now, we know that the prayers of a righteous man has great power as it is working. So if that be true, if that be the case, what man was more righteous than Christ? So if the prayers of a righteous man, again, have great power, can't we trust in Christ's prayers to be answered? And if he's praying on our behalf, we know that it, it, that it will be done that we will be protected. So brothers and sisters, we can have the utmost confidence in this king uh, to protect us and keep us secure. Uh, One of my favorite songs we sing uh, at the garden is is He Will Hold Me Fast. Now, as much as I would love to display my musical talents, now is just not the time in the place, you know, to do that, right? Now, that is true. That is true. I'll do that later in the shower when I take my shower tonight. But um, so I'm going to just read these lyrics, right? The first verse of this song go like this. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. I was real tempted to sing that just now. (laughs) It is because of this great confidence, right, because Christ will hold us fast, that we too can rejoice in the words of King David when he says in Psalm 16 and 8, I have set the Lord always before me, Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Let us praise Christ uh, for his protection. 
Our third and our final um, reason why we can have trust and uh, confidence in Christ, in, in Christ is because he will uh, care for us. We can trust that Christ will care for us. Sadly, today, uh, the word father is not associated with someone who cares. Uh, we see this, you know, in the inner city uh, where many fathers, um, you know, are, are in prison. Some um, are dead. You know, some are, are strung out, you know, on drugs, are addicted to drugs. So the government is left to, to, to play the role of a dad, you know, in the form of a check, government assistance, um, the state, you know, in the form of child support. We also see this in the suburbs, right, where a lot of dads spend the majority of their time uh, working and focusing on their career rather than caring, um, you know, for the, the, the emotional and the spiritual needs of their children. One characteristic um, that is true of fathers who care is compassion, right? And we see this in Christ. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 34, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Christ saw how helpless uh, the 5,000 people were, right? He saw their need, and he fed them. Christ had compassion on the poor, the sick, the lame, uh, those who were demon-oppressed, right? It didn't matter who, who you were, right? Christ had compassion on them, and he still has compassion today. So whatever it is that you're going through, just know that Christ, he cares. This Jesus, he came down from heaven, and he entered into a broken and fallen world because he cares, right? He saw how helpless we were. He saw us in our weakness, and he died for us. He reconciled us to God while we were enemies, making peace by the blood of his cross. Brothers and sisters, and I want us to, I want us to really catch this. If Christ did the hardest thing for us while we were enemies, how much more do you think he will do now that we are brothers, now that we are his sisters? Right? How much more do you think he will care for us now that we belong to him. We can have confidence that he will care for us. Remember uh, the words of King David in Psalms 23 and 1, where David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to leave you um, all with this final, th with this, uh, final thought. Um, it is a, a great comfort for us to read the words of our text this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it says, His name shall be called Everlasting Father. Charles Spurgeon once said, There is no unfathering Christ, and there is no unchilding us. He is everlastingly a father to those who trust in him. That means if you are trusting in him, you are his, and he is yours forever. Christ is perfect, unlike our earthly fathers. He is everything that we yearn for in a father. He provides everything that we will want uh, from a relationship with our earthly fathers. You know, the one thing, the one thing that, um, that sucks about our, um, our relationship uh, with our 
earthly fathers, is we know that, that one day that, that, re that relationship will end. Um, as some of you all know, uh, my dad, he passed away seven years ago. So, um, you know, that's something that, that still, you know, hurts till this day. Um, I always talk, you know, to my kids um, about death and, you know, why death is a part of this world that we live in. Um, Ashton and Ayana, you know that one day, like I, I told y'all many times, one day I will pass away. But I want you all to know, to, to be encouraged, to take heart, because Christ, he can be a better father than I could ever dream of being. So we can all take comfort, you know, because Christ, he will uh, care for us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. So uh, let us pray. Gracious God, thank you uh, for this opportunity. Again, Lord, to be before your people. Lord, I pray as we leave uh, this place, I pray, God, that we will remember your ability um, to, to provide, to care, to protect. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us. We know that for those of us uh, who, tr who are trusting in you, we know that our relationship with you will never end. And we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.